0: Good morning, everybody. It's definitely more potent, Bill. (laughs) We have a new mic system, so hopefully it doesn't pop. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to gather together as a church family. Be with us as we now dive into the word. In Jesus' name, amen. 1987 the great classic Princess Bride appeared. And Peter Cook, as the impressive clergyman, stated this, marriage, marriage is what brings us together today. Now, guys, if you didn't get the memo last week, just a reminder, Monday is Valentine's Day. And today I wanted to talk about relationships, especially in the context of um, spouses, love, And some of the things that we're going to talk about today uh, are not just for married couples or people who were in love, but it's applicable across the board. Now, a while back, there was a Fortune 500 CEO president who pulled into a gas station. He realized, oh, I'll just, uh, I'll go inside or I'll pay for the money, uh, gas side, Gets the gas, he also wanted a bottle of water. And as he, he walks out, he notices that there's a man talking to his wife. And they seemed rather animated, seemed like they knew each other. And when he got closer, his wife introduced her husband to the service attendant. What he didn't know was that this individual and his wife had been friends in high school and not just friends. They dated together, so he gets in the car. She gets in the car. She says, "Bye." So good to see you. They're driving down the road, and mind you, they're in a very nice, nice car, Mercedes. And as they drove in silence, he was feeling pretty good about himself. When he finally spoke, "You know, I bet, uh, I bet I know what you're thinking." you're thinking that you're glad you married me, a Fortune 500 CEO, and not him, a gas station service attendant, to which she replied, no, I was thinking if I married him, he'd be a Fortune 500 CEO and you'd be a gas station attendant. (laughs) You know, one of the scariest decisions that I ever made in my life was to ask um, Lisa's father, Pastor Bob, if I could take, his daughter out on a date. I remember it was February five, no, not February five, August two, 2002. It was a Friday morning, scary. Now he's a very nice guy. Don't get, I'm not saying he's a scary guy. I just had a lot of great respect for him and I still do. Um, But one of the best decisions was to ask him if I could take his daughter out on a date second best decision that I've ever made in the last 20 years was to uh, ask Lisa to marry me. And my biggest accomplishment in the last 20 years is uh, making sure keeping Lisa married to me. <laughs> and I say that in jest, but uh, some of it's true. <laughs> I'm not a perfect guy, please. What, no matter what you think, I am, I'm just as fallible as everybody else. But I love my wife. And I am so grateful for her for the many years that we've been together. We've been together 19 years. It'll be, we'll be married 15 in September. And together, we will be together, according to me, August four, according to me. But I think in man speak, and uh, I just assumed we started dating August four. I didn't know that you had to acknowledge like, hey, would you like to be my girlfriend? True story. So in her rec- recollection, I believe hers, it's uh, August 13th we've been together. But I say, this, I, I say this out of cheekiness in a sense, but marriage, how many of you have ever been married? Okay. How many of you think it's awesome and easy all the time? Some of you are not speaking. <laughs> marriage is wonderful, it's beautiful. And sometimes it has its challenges, especially when you don't see eye to eye. Today, I wanted to talk about how we can deal with some of these challenges. But, you know, having a partner by your side is one of the best things that you can ever have. Um, You know, there's a famous quote that behind every great man is a greater woman. Well, I'd like to amend that quote and not have my wife behind me. But Lisa has always been by my side. We've always done ministry. Uh, it's always been a partnership. Uh, before we started dating, I was gonna have a different career. And when I told her that I wanted to be a pastor, um, that was the last person she would She did not want to marry a pastor. In fact, I remember her talking to one of her friends that she hadn't talked to in like 13 years. And she said, yeah, I never thought I would marry a pastor. So, yet it's been one of the best experience. It's one been one of the best things, best experiences to be able to do life, but also to have a partner in ministry. Now, she may not be up here on the platform, but she has just been been just as beneficial. She has been a sounding board, a a accountability partner where I needed to maybe be reminded that I probably shouldn't do that next time. Um, But she's been my best confidant. She's somebody that I trust implicitly. She's been faithful, loyal throughout the many years. And having a partner to go through life with is just one of the best things that I've been able to experience. And so I'd like to go to a passage. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter four. Ecclesiastes chapter four. Solomon gives us some wisdom. By the way, I normally would read, but I have a new mic on, and if I keep looking down, it's not going to catch as well, so I'm just going to look at my screen. Um, But Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Are we all there? Amen. How many of us are not there? All right. Almost there. I'll give you another second. All right. Here we go. Two are better than what? One. Because they have a good return for their labor. In verse 10, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together and they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. There's a lot of good life advice here and the, the blessings of not just having a partner for life, but also having a community of having friendship. But especially as we look at this in the context of, of having a life partner, two is better than one. Obviously, well, you have a partner for life. Accomplishing things, is it much easier to have somebody help you accomplish an important task? to have that extra uh, time to be able to maybe uh, help get whatever the labor needs to be done, to maybe proofread, a report, uh, to bounce ideas off. Yeah. Having another person help you can be advantageous. But as, as verse 10 points out, hey, what if one of you falls? Well, the other can help build them up. If someone gets hurt, we're there to help. Catch that person up to uh, apply first aid or to be able to hear the challenges, the frustrations, the pains. And then in verse 11, it talks about also if two lie down together, they will keep warm. It's true. Have you ever been really, really cold? And the only thing you could do, you didn't have any more jackets and so you all bunched up together. And maybe it wasn't the most effective, but there was a sense of warmth of a camaraderie, and that helped pass the time by when you were freezing, being warm together. You can uplift one another, care for another, and soothe one another. And finally, in this passage, in the last part, where it says, though one may be overpowered, when it's just one singular person against however many, two, five, ten, twenty, the odds are not great in that one person's favor. But if you have another person with you to back you up, to look out for you, to watch your back, they can defend themselves much better. Where it says a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Rope, when you put it together and it's woven together, it's that much harder to break apart. And so I love this passage because it helps kind of, help us understand how a healthy, successful uh, relationship Can help, uh, especially in marriage, move us forward together. In the Bible, there are uh, in particular four Greek words specifically that talk about love. In English, we just have love, and it could mean many things, but in Greek, in ancient Greek, there's at least four, there's more, but in in the Bible that I I know of, there's at least four uh, that we can. Look to. The first one is agape. It's this universal love for everyone uh, willing to do anything for someone. For instance, uh, firefighters, they practice agape love every day. Whenever they go roll on uh, a car accident, uh, do a medical call, or jump into a, uh, a, a burning building, that is agape love. Love that has no bounds. Caring for one another. Willing to do anything for someone. The next Greek word is philia, which is affectionate love, or also involving friendship. When you look at the town of Philadelphia, philia, philia, and then adelphus, brother, city of brotherly love, okay? And then there's a third one, the storge, which is the familial love. Your brother, your parents, your sister, your aunts, your uncles, cousins, that's storge. Everybody say storge. storge. All right, you've all spoken Greek. Be proud of yourselves. <laughs> all right. That is a familial love. And then the last one tends to especially hit the, the newlyweds, the, those young or newly uh, gotten together, is the eros, the passionate, romantic love. And when we, when we look at love, There's no better passage that talks about love than 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And the love that is talked about here is the the agape love. The love that is universal for a a love uh, to look out for everyone, but also how we can apply this love in our life, not only for our spouse, those all around us. Let's go there. First Corinthians 13. All right, we all there? Okay, verse 4. Love is what? Patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. And it's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects it, always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. True love. Now, last week we talked about some of the attributes that we need to have for healthy connection. Okay, we're we're in our, our second week of, of Connect for having healthy connections. Last week we talked about uh, the, some of the attributes that we need to have for healthy connections. One of them, the first one was obviously love, which could also mean kindness, empathy. Uh, but love is is number one. But number two, you have to be able to have trust and respect for one another. And at times you may need to have forgiveness because someone may make, the, may make a mistake in the relationship. But true commitment, okay, or sorry, true connection true relationships true communication also has commitment accountability and accountability now practicing all of that though okay let's put the let's put the rubber to the road what if for instance you had a relationship where you're not seeing eye to eye maybe somebody's getting the better end of the deal The other side is feeling taken advantage of, or the other person is just not listening. What do we do? What do we do? How can we practically deal with when a connection, there's a breakdown? Well, one of the things that we can do is simply, if you desire something, ask for it. For instance, um, how should we put this? A husband, after dinner, wants red velvet cake because it's his favorite cake. And his wife thinks about it. Okay, well, it's not my favorite cake. But he explains, hey, red velvet cake is one of my favorite cakes because I just it tastes great, it's wonderful, it's awesome, it makes me feel great, and, yeah. Hint, hint. Now, what if the other side is not as receptive to red velvet cake? State, now, be assertive, but not critical. Now, when we hear the word assertive, we we kind of, it sounds like what? aggressive, maybe a little demanding, okay? But being assertive is not being dominating. I I don't mean it in the context of uh, aggressive being dominating. Being assertive means being able to express your feelings and asking for what you want in a relationship. Now, let's just say, let's just name him John, just to be completely, no, Mike. let's, Let's go with Mike. Michael desires red velvet cake. And... Yet, he feels that his wife does not share the same desire for red velvet cake. And so he has explained why he likes it, he appreciates it, and maybe, and so she listens. Now, if she wants to listen, she's going to say, hey, okay, he desires red velvet cake. He explains and how it would make him feel. One of the best things that she can do is just to say, okay, so what I'm hearing is you love red velvet cake because it makes you feel great, it tastes great, and it's wonderful and awesome. In our communication, one of the most affirming things that we can do is we can truly, truly listen to our partner and not just hear them, but understand where they're coming from. As, as we've said before, to be able to stand in their shoes, okay, or walk a mile in their shoes. Now, I've, I've heard, for instance, there are some things, I, 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 as a minister, I'm prepared, I'm, I am, <laughs> I'm certified in preparing and enrich, which is a, a premarital counseling uh, tool. And so one of the interesting things that I've, I've heard over the years that I've been doing this is, some of the challenges that couples face, uh, for instance, um, <laughs> there was one couple where the bride-to-be just uh, does not like pie. And it was a consternation because the groom's mom always served pie. And every time they would go over for dinner, there had to be pie. And future mother-in-law was very insistent on everyone eating pie. And so it caused some friction in the relationship where she's saying, I don't want to go over, I don't want to have pie, I hate pie. So how are we going to resolve this? And so as we were talking about this, as we were working out and I, I, I suggested, hey, rather than trying to be defensive, how can we collaborate and find a solution? And so they talked about the many ways that they could help (laughs) come up with a solution. What it just came down to is they just needed to explain to her future mother-in-law that she hates pie, and it's okay. But getting to that point of sharing and admitting, because oftentimes we don't want to be telling the truth. We don't want to upset the other person. We don't want to make them feel offended. And yet, if you don't share and express what's on your mind, what does that lead to? Discontent, frustration, unmet expectations, conflict. And then you start to argue. And as you start to argue, especially when you're very passionate, we tend to not listen. In fact, oftentimes, as they're speaking and we're listening, we're not truly trying to listen to what they're trying to say. We're rearming with what we're going to fire back with. Right. And so one of the things that we have to be mindful of and cognizant of, okay, what are they trying to say to me? So connection requires actively listening, not try, waiting and res- waiting to respond with fire. Now, if you, are at a standstill. Sometimes you may go into a, a silent war. Do you know what a silent war is? Where you don't talk to each other. <laughs> and it may last a couple minutes, it may last a couple of hours, it may last a couple days. And does that solve anything? No, you're just putting off the inevitability. Now there was a, uh, uh, a man who, he and his wife had gotten into an argument and they did not see eye to eye. And for two days, they did not talk to each other. And of course, their pride was getting in the way. He did not want to admit where he was wrong, and she was not going to give in. And yet he realized the next day he had a very important flight. He needed to be up by 5 o'clock. So what did he do? He wrote a, uh, a note and saying, hey, please let me know when it's 5 o'clock because I need to get up and catch my flight. So he goes to bed and he wakes up, and when he wakes up, the sun is shining. It's 9 a.m., and he realizes he has a panic attack that he's missed his flight. The important meeting that he's supposed to be at is gonna be happening in a couple of hours, and he's not gonna be there. And as he's panicking, he's upset. He's angry with his wife. He looks to his right, and on her pillow, noted, it's 5 a.m., wake up. (laughs) All right? Again, does that solve anything? No. Stop delaying the inevitability. But we have to, as couples, and not just couples, but in general, in our relationships and our connections, if there's a problem, if there's friction, let's deal with it. And when dealing with it, hey, maybe not everybody is ready to deal with it right then. Maybe they're emotionally, they're tired, they've just gotten home from work, and maybe they're spun up, and maybe they didn't have a good day. As you talk and as you try to solve conflict, ask, hey, is this a good time? And if not, maybe later or maybe tomorrow, but don't keep putting it off. Now, in the inevitability that some of us may just, we don't do well with conflict. And sometimes when we're dealing with conflict and sometimes things get passionate, maybe one side is more vocal and passionate in the way that they talk, some of us may start to shut down. Maybe we may need to take a little time out. And it's okay to ask for a little mini timeout, okay? But agree to the timeout. and maybe a couple minutes, it may be an hour, or maybe you need to go for a run and then you come back. But the timeout is not an excuse to say, I want to avoid this. Because again, when you're dealing with issues, you need to deal with them. So, in our connections, we actively require listening. Share what you desire why it's important. So connection requires actively listening, not waiting to respond for fire. And as you talk with one another, focus on the positive attributes and build up one another. And avoid the blame game and cooperatively find a solution. When we're at a disagreement and at a stalemate, One of the challenges that happens is we tend to play the blame game. And when we blame others, (laughs) is your argument strengthened? It's the opposite, right? Because people who always blame everybody and never take accountability for their own mistakes then begin to lose credibility. Ever deal with a boss who just is very firm and hard and sometimes they mess up? and they don't take ownership of it, do you respect that person even more? No, so you may work hard because you're feeling forced to, because it's your job, and maybe because you have a paycheck that you're dependent on. But to be effective leaders, or to be helpful spouses, listen, and where you may mess up, hey, I'm sorry, I messed up here. Please forgive me. Let's find a solution. Set aside a time to f- deal with the solution. Uh, and, and just find ideas. Bring up 10 ideas. And out of the 10 ideas, pick the two that are most realistic and find solutions to how you can overcome and not just overcome, but may your relationship Thrive. Connection. It requires listening. It requires love. And true love that is patient, that is kind. It's not envious. It's not boastful. It's not proud. It's not arrogant. And it doesn't dishonor others. When we treat each other well, it builds up trust. When we don't put down one another, we're able to be able to share what's truly on our mind. But if we're always firing back, 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 and we're not truly listening, why should your partner want to try and talk to you if you're not going to listen to them? Because they're not being heard. When it comes to talking with one another, it talks about keeping no record of wrongs. Now we're human too, right? Is that easy to just simply let go of things that have been done in the past? No, sometimes it's hard, right? And sometimes that means being intentional. But yet, true love can be forgiving. The agape does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. True love and connection, it protects it trusts, it always hopes, and always perseveres. And as many of you have also read this passage in, in the last verse of this passage, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. So, where do we go from here? Reflection. As you think about uh, your life, Is there anywhere where you maybe have a strained relationship? Or maybe you feel like the connection between you and your spouse is not the best. Are you giving it your full attention that it deserves? And where you feel you may be potentially falling short, choose someone, okay? Uh, And ideally, somebody that you can talk to every day, but if not, try to choose somebody that you can be consistent with and have a conversation with them every day and practicing active listening, listening to what they're hearing, trying to understand what they're saying, and, and perhaps maybe asking a clarifying question or affirming them, hey, is this what I'm hearing, what you're saying? Affirm what they're saying, and you will be amazed at how quickly your relationship can improve. Now, it's not a guarantee because there are some times where relationships are so challenged that you may need to get help, and that's okay. It's okay to get help, especially when you can have a third party come in who's totally objective to be able to help you see and help you in the process of helping to communicate with one another. So my prayer Downey church to our friends online, may you be well, may you thrive in your relationships. For those of you who are married, may you be blessed. And For those of you who have a a, a loving relationship, may may god bless you lead and guide you may you spend the rest of your life with a partner lockstep side by side working together to accomplish whatever you are called to do for the lord father in heaven lord we thank you for your grace and love lord as we're talking about connections this month sometimes we have breakdowns on our communication I pray that help help us, Lord, to be able to see, to understand, to truly listen, to affirm one another, to actively listen. And Lord, uh, may our relationships be blessed, not just uh, twofold, but a hundredfold, Lord. May everyone live with love, and may we practice 1 Corinthians 13 everywhere we go, in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace, everybody.